Hi guys. Hi. Welcome back. It's Women's Life. We're back, you guys. We're back. I'm so excited. All right, how many of you guys feel confident and strong about that emoji? Oh, good. Yeah. All right, all right. Let's see how you did. Faith has the answer key, so we're going to throw it up on the screen. The first one is the Little Mermaid. You guys feel good about that? All right. Next, Cinderella. Aladdin. Hercules. 101 Dalmatians. Snow White. Moana. Frozen. Toy Story. All right. All right. Everybody's tracking. That's good. Mulan. The Lion King. Sleeping Beauty. Bambi. The Jungle Book. Fox and the Hound. Okay, I feel like that was kind of obscure. <laughs> All right, Lady in the Tramp, yes. Pinocchio, Cars, Pocahontas. This table is really tracking with me. <laughs> Princess and the Frog, yes. Monsters, Inc., yes. Winnie the Pooh, uh-huh. Brother Bear. Yes. I I've never heard, really? I've never heard of that one. All right. The Emperor's New Group, actually one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Um, Beauty and the Beast, Pirates, Up. Mary Poppins, yes. Peter Pan, and Dumbo. Amen. Perfect score? Yeah. Anybody else? Perfect score? Perfect score? Congratulations, you guys. I literally have no words. Some of them, like, I was like, Brother Bear? What is that? Has anyone else seen that movie? Brother Bear? It makes you cry? Okay, I'm definitely going to have to check it out then. Brother Bear 2? There's two of them? Man, I feel like I was a Disney like nerd and I have never heard such things. Okay, how many of you guys are slightly terrified that we're here to talk about sex? Okay, good. <laughs> Faith is like me, I'm afraid. <laughs> you should be a little bit. Um, so the reason why I wanted to start this conversation out this year is I really feel like, guys, we are in a society, like how many of you guys are on TikTok? Let's be honest, I'm on TikTok, okay. TikTok is like a non-stop barrage of things. Social media is a non-stop barrage of things. And I just feel like if we're not talking about it in the context of church and God and relationship, then like what actually are we doing? Am I right? Um, so we're going to talk about it tonight. Don't, get, don't worry. We're not going to get crazy. Um, well, one of the things I was thinking about this, I, like I said, I'm a Disney nerd. I love the movies. And we all grew up watching them. And there's always some scenario, especially in the older ones, where the princess gets rescued by the prince, right? Snow White, the girl's taking a nap, the guy comes along and he wakes her up. It was a poison nap, nevertheless, still a nap. Um, Sleeping Beauty, same thing, awakened by a kiss, right? There are girls rescued from dragons, taken out of towers. And I did think to myself as I was writing this, I was like, that's kind of a lot of work for the guys. Like, the girl's just chilling, you know? Like, Snow White and Sleeping Beauty, they were napping. And I would have been a little mad I'm still a little mad. Like, I'm, my husband, if he wants to come kiss me, I'm like, can we just wait? I have, like, another solid good hour of napping to get to. <laughs> so I don't really hate the napping scenario for the girls, uh, but it's kind of funny to me that the guys are doing all the work. But what do those stories teach? They, teach? they teach a lesson. They teach a principle. And that principle is that as women, we need a man to save us, right? And I would take it a step further because I think Disney gets a lot of heat for this, but they didn't write that. They didn't write most of those fairy tales that they made into movies. Those fairy tales have been around for a long time. They came from a lot of different countries. And I just think it's a belief system that's kind of innate in our internal dialogue as humans. And then Disney put it in some movies. They tapped into something. 
because those fairy tales are hundreds of years old. But love and marriage and sexuality and relationship, they're part of us being human. They're part of our human story. And I think a lot, like, I'm going to be real, guys. Every now and then when I hear a message on Genesis, it makes me roll my eyes. Because I'm like, can we just be done talking about the garden? But I think we can't because everything started there. We always have to go back to that to talk about what's happening now. Because what does God say in Genesis, right? He's creating things. He's creating the world. He's creating the planets and the stars and the animals. And we need to talk about time out. We need to talk about Australia, guys. When God is creating Australia, I really want to have a conversation about this. What was he thinking? <laughs> have you guys seen the size of the spiders in Australia? Yeah. Uh, what is a platypus, you guys? What was, I don't know. I feel like God just like was tired. Maybe that was like a six and a half day, end of the week. You know, <laughs> I was like, why are you throwing duck bills on things? That's weird, but okay. So God is making things. He's making the platypuses and he makes human beings and then he takes a break, and then what happens? He says it's not good for man to be alone, right? Everything is good except for that. And then he says, so for me, I'm like, all right, if it's not good for man to be alone, then it is good for man to be in relationship, right? What else happens in that story in Genesis? Adam had two relationships. Who was Adam in relationship with before Eve? And that is not a weird TikTok question. That is a real, that's a real biblical question. Who was he in relationship with before Eve? And guys, feel free to talk back at me. God, yeah, he was in relationship with God. So which relationship breaking down caused all of the problems that follow? His relationship with God, right? It was the breakdown of his relationship with God that caused the sin that caused the pain and the death and the hurt and all the things that followed. So although it was not good for Adam to be without Eve, it was the breakdown of his relationship with God that caused the most trouble in his life. Right? That's interesting to me. Because which relationship was the most important for Adam to maintain in a healthy way? His relationship with God. But which relationship did Adam give the most importance to? Right? Can someone, does anyone have any extra notes pages and can I borrow it? I meant to grab one and I forgot. Thank you. On the top of your notes page, it has a scripture. We're going to read it. Genesis 3, 6. It says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Adam knows what he's supposed to do and not do in this scenario. But what is the scripture saying? Eve took the apple and she gave it to her husband who was with her, who was chilling while she's talking to the snake and he ate it. Why did he eat it? Why did he eat the apple? Who gave it to him? Eve. Eve gave him the apple. So which relationship did Adam give the most important to? Eve. Yep. He cared more about what Eve had to say in his life and making her happy than he cared about what God had had to say. We are talking about how to have healthy relationships for the next three weeks. This umbrella, we've done sex, sexology now, like I think this is the third or fourth time. And every time it's just a little bit different and there's just a little bit different bent. So I want you guys to know that the overarching theme of the next three weeks is how to have healthy relationships 
And we have to have a foundation for that. We have to lay a foundation because it's not a secret and it's not hard. It's information that God wants us to know. And healthy relationships don't just happen to us. I think sometimes like we are in our lives and we're going through them and we're just kind of like, man, I don't know how I ended up here. But guys, there's no way we just stumble into things relationally. We all make choices. We make those choices. And the choices lead us on a path to a destination, right? So healthy relationships don't just happen to us, and unhealthy relationships don't just happen to us. We're not passive actors in our lives. We get to make choices. So tonight, I want to talk about that foundation for all healthy relationships, and we're going to get a little bit technical and crazy with some psychology, and it's going to be great, and then we're going to get into some scripture that backs that up, and it's going to be even better, so we're going to have fun tonight. All right? Let's pray. Father, um, I have just felt so strongly about this for weeks now, that this was the topic you wanted me to teach on. And so, God, this night is yours. I just pray for help to not misspeak to not take your name in vain, which would be to say something about you that isn't true. Lord, I ask that your word would open up, that your word of truth in scripture and the things that are true about the way that you created us in science and sociology and psychology, that those things would combine tonight, Lord, and just illuminate our lives. Father, I ask that people would be encouraged. I ask that we would be challenged. And I ask that we would love you more. In your name, amen. Okay, guys, so there is a little... Um, graph on your notes is called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. It's a fun, cute little triangle with lots of colors, and they teach it in a lot of places. It's used quite often. It was made in 1943, and Maslow was like, what, what do human beings need to be successful? So he started with the bottom, and he said, you have to satisfy like lower needs, like food, food and shelter, clothing, you know, basic human biological needs. Those air, we all need air to breathe. This is true. I'm not, I'm not going to argue with him about that. Um, these are like basic needs that need to be met. And then after that, we need to go up to safety. And he said that was like employment, feeling safe in your home physically, health, property. And then above that, you put love and belonging, which would be like sexuality, intimacy, things like that. And the way that it's taught a lot of times Maslow's hierarchy is taught as like you have to do X before you can get to Y, before you can get to Z. And so if one level is not complete, you can't reach the next level. But actually, he later clarified that satisfaction of those is not like all or one, and that his, his theory, although it has some good to it, has some truth to it, is not like all-encompassing. And I think that's really true as we're learning more about human biology and how we think, because there's something called attachment theory that has recently come to the surface. Again, if you pay any attention to social media, it's all over social media. But it's a true thing, and attachment theory says that human beings are born with a need to form attachments, and that for a grown human being to be healthy and be able to like attach well in their other relationships, they need to have formed a close emotional bond with a caregiver by the time that they're six months old. So if you have a baby, for example, that's in and out of foster care, and bounces around in the first several months of their life from person to person, that that baby grows up wounded by those first six months of not having had a consistent caregiver to love and attach to them. And it's important for them because primary caregivers 
who are available and responsive allow them to develop a sense of security. So we can see that actually Maslow's hierarchy, those two, the safety and the love and belonging, actually go together. They're the same. They're the same. That love and belonging are, are integral and important to us feeling safe and secure. So psychology is saying now that not only is love and belonging important, it's actually foundational to feeling secure. And that's your first fill in the blank. Now, I would agree with that just from like an experiential point of view. I'm not an expert on anything, um, but I have worked around people and with people for a long time. And I would say that I agree with this, that love and belonging are 100% the most important part of feeling secure. Yes, it's important to have financial security. Yes, it's important to have a, a safe home to live in. All of that matters. But it also, I think, maybe even matters a little bit more that you have someone or someones that you feel love you 100%. This is important in families. It's important in friendships. It's important in romantic relationships. And I think as grown women, we still feel this need for connection and security in relationships. And it's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's a valid, God-given human need to feel loved. We're connected, and we're designed to connect and attach to each other in order to thrive. We're biologically designed to need this connection, and we unconsciously look to our partners, our family, our friends for unconditional love, approval, and support. But the problem is, this is where the problem starts. If we go looking for security in the wrong places, we do what Adam did and we elevate the wrong relationship first. We go looking for the guy to kill the dragon. We look for security in other human beings. And the truth is, our relationship with God is where we're gonna find true foundational security that has to come before every other relationship. Because so many things go wrong when we put relationship with men or women or sex itself above God. So that relationship with God has to be foundational first and most important always. And I made this little spiritual hierarchy of needs. Guys, I made this up, so feel free to not quote it anywhere. That'd be great. <laughs> um, so the bottom one is relationship with God. Again, foundational. Like the air we breathe. If our relationship with God is not secure, the rest of our relationships suffer. The second one is relationship with people. And that's going to be your friends, your family, you know, your circle, people you work with. The third one is intimacy. Guys, intimacy is so interesting because I think we think that intimacy comes with sexuality and actually it doesn't. You can have sex and not be intimate with someone. So intimacy, then covenant, which is another word for commitment. Again, this is from a spiritual point of view. So covenant is commitment that is spiritual, not just transactional. And then the very top, the very last part is the sexual relationship. So there's a whole lot of steps before we jump to sex. But how many problems are we experiencing in society, in our lives, in our families, in all kinds of places, because instead of waiting to jump, to go through all of those right steps before sex, sex is like right down there, maybe instead of relationship with God. Or maybe it's right down there, where relationship with people is before intimacy, right? 
Exodus 20, verse 3, says, You shall have no other gods before me. It is one of the Ten Commandments. It's pretty basic, but it's super easy to forget. We're not, <laughs> we're not a society that understands idols or idolatry very much. Um, honestly, like reading the Old Testament and like hearing that people bow down to like statues and stuff, it kind of feels like, oh, that's weird. I wouldn't ever do that. I took a trip to Nepal many years ago, and there is a Hindu nation, Hindu Buddhist nation, um, and there's a lot of statues of like the Hindu gods, like the elephant god, and just many of them everywhere. Um, and it was very interesting because I felt in that country specifically like spiritual darkness a little more than we feel it here. It's, it's a little bit easier to see. It's not as hidden. It's not as like gray as it is here. Because here, the enemy hides his face a lot with a lot of other things, and it, he looks really cute here. Like the enemy dresses himself up as like attractive here. Over there, he's just kind of blatant. And so when you see people offering things to statues, you see children offering things or praying to statues, when you see people running in circles, climbing long steps, putting things in a river that are then like grabbed by a monkey like five seconds later, it's easier to see the deception and the distraction and the evil. But the command is the same in the United States of America as it is in Nepal. It's just that our idols look different here. We're not bowing down to like statues, but what are we bowing down to? Anything that we elevate above God in our lives. Adam messed everything up when he put Eve above God. And in our lives, the same is going to be true for us when we put human relationship above our relationship with God. And that truth is true for single women, and that truth is true for married women. If your husband is more important to you than your relationship with God, you're reversing the order that these things should be in. Because guess what, guys? Adam was married when he ate the apple. Right? He wasn't single. Adam was no single guy. Matthew 22:37 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Are we supposed to love God with a piece of our heart? A piece of our soul? A piece of our mind? Do we give God a little bit? Do we give him like 30% and then the person that we want to be with 70%? No. Loving God means all of us. And the book of Deuteronomy says, with all your strength. So we're supposed to love him completely. That means more than our boyfriends, more than our husband, more than our best friend, our child, or our parent. No other gods means actually no other gods. And I don't know if I'm stepping on any toes tonight, God, but this, guys, but this stepped on my toes. I'm going to be real. I stepped on my toes. I was like, oh, you mean, actually, I'm supposed to parent my child like she's not the most important thing in my life. Got it. Actually, I'm supposed to give God my attention when somebody else wants my attention as well. But God had said, hey, look at me first. 
I don't know, guys. Maybe you were taught even something different in church about marriage. Can we just be real? How much does church love us to be married? A lot. Am I right? Yeah. Hey, if you're single, there's nothing wrong with you. Right? There's nothing wrong. It is good and holy and appropriate and right to be a single woman, period. Period. It's also good and holy and right to be married. But one is not better than the other. Getting a husband can be an idol. By the way, the church can elevate idols. Can we be honest about that too? Yes. Depending on how you're taught and what kind of church environment you live in, the church is not a perfect place and we can elevate idols in community as well. Getting a husband can be an idol. Being married can be an idol. Feeling desirable can be an idol. Having casual sex can be an idol. And guys, it's important for us to like take a step back and look at these things because our relationship with God is so important, and if it's not the highest and healthiest, every other relationship will suffer. We will want and desire, and it's a good and healthy desire to be in relationship with people that is fulfilling and rich and whole, but if that relationship is where we're putting all of our time and energy, and God is like way over here somewhere, that relationship won't be healthy. It won't. I'm gonna speak to the wives for a second. What if your human husband sins and makes a mistake. If he's the most important person in your life, do you follow him into his sin? Hmm? What if he makes a mistake and it hurts you? Then are you bitter and angry and resentful against him because he made some, made some mistakes? If he is an idol and he falls off the pedestal, Where's your security? What if instead of like slaying the dragon, he like partners with the dragon? Or what if he is the dragon? Or what if he runs away from the dragon? If God is the most important relationship in your life, you can see your human husband fail and have the spiritual power to not follow him into it. And not only not follow him, but forgive him for being a human being just like you and not a prince who comes to the rescue. Because he cannot be your security. A human being cannot be your security. Because God is our security, and it's the only actual, true security. Single ladies, is finding a spouse your highest priority? What are you willing to give up for that idol? Is it your self-esteem? Is it your sexuality? Are you living in anxiety and fear because maybe God doesn't love you enough to give you what you want? There is a myth that it runs around in Christianity that you guys, I hate so much. I hate it so much. So y'all are gonna hear about all my hates tonight. And I hear it a lot in younger women and it sounds like this. My husband is going to be my spiritual leader, which means I can't have a complete and whole relationship with God on my own. Like there's something missing if I don't have a spiritual leader in a man. My husband is going to be my spiritual leader, which means he's always right. Nope, in case anyone was wondering. (laughs) My husband is my spiritual leader, which means that he is responsible 
for my spiritual growth and the spiritual life of our children. Let me tell you guys something. If you get married, you are both responsible for the spiritual life of your children. If your husband does not follow Jesus, then you, believing wife, are responsible for the spiritual life of your children. To be a true helpmate to a husband, you have to be able to tell him he's wrong. You have to pray for him when he's wrong. You have to pray for each other when you're wrong. Life is long and it's hard and it's full of ups and downs and you're both gonna screw it up. And so you can't have each other on pedestals. You have to have one person on the pedestal, that person is Christ. Ephesians 5, which is where this mostly comes from, is a descriptive passage, like Proverbs 31. It is an ideal. How many of us in here do Proverbs 31 stuff on the daily? Any of y'all going out and like buying farms? Any of you guys like spin wool, dye things? Maybe some of you guys do. I don't know. I'm not a knitter, so I don't know. Maybe. Proverbs 31 is an ideal, idealized woman. Ephesians 5 is supposed to give us principles to look for in a man, in a spouse. It was never meant for us to hand off all of our responsibility to another human being. So again, I'm going to keep saying it, guys. Married women and single women, your relationship with God is your responsibility, and it should be your highest priority. Corinthians talks a lot about singleness. And Paul actually says that if you're single, you're blessed because you can give all of your time and attention to God. So single women, I want you guys to hear this. If you are single, you are blessed. You're blessed. There is nothing wrong with you. It's also not wrong to desire a relationship, but it's good to enjoy the season that you're in. God has purpose for the season that you're in right now. Don't waste your season wishing you were in another season. Ask God what he has for you right now. First Samuel 12, it's not on your sheet. I forgot to put it on there. Sorry, guys. Um, but it's verses 20 through 22. I'm going to read it to you. He says, Samuel speaking, he says, do not be afraid do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you, because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people, because the Lord is pleased to make you his own. Here was my foundational question when I was writing this talk. I was like, if I'm sitting out there listening to this, here's my question. If I make God my highest relationship, my foundational relationship, will he actually be my security? Because it's a whole lot easier to trust somebody who's tangible, that you can see, that you can touch, that you can hear. It's very, very difficult to say, hey, I trust someone I can't see, I can't touch, and who doesn't audibly speak to me. Or maybe he does, and if he does, we'll talk later because I want to hear about it. Um, but who doesn't speak to me in a verbal, out loud voice. It's hard. 
we are physical beings and we are naturally drawn to want to like see and, and be able to speak to and touch things that we look for security in. So I think that there's a really, really good answer and it's in Luke chapter 12. I want you guys to, let's play the video, Faith. Let's play the video first. This is a video of a starling murmur. Murmuration, murmur of starlings, I don't know what they call it. So I did a little research, and um, I want you guys to know that the bird that Jesus is talking about here, that's um, some, some say sparrows, some say ravens, but the actual word is in the same bird family as the starling. So it's a tiny little blackbird. It just flies around and has fun, and there's always like hundreds of them everywhere. So what I want you to do is I want you guys to read this passage at your table together. I'm going to give you 10 minutes. And I want you guys to pull things out in there about security. What is Jesus saying to you guys about security? And then we'll come back together and talk about it. Okay, guys. That 10 minutes went by really fast. So I just wanted to point a couple things out. And really what I wanted to point out was actually just one thing. Verse 34, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also, right? And I know that he's talking a lot in this passage about material things, but I think that that's a principle that's true for us across the board. What do we value the most in life? Who do we value the most in life? I want us to think about, um, Faith, can you put the spiritual triangle back up? I want us to think about that foundational relationship with God tonight. There are questions at the bottom of your sheet, and we're going to dive into them for the rest of the time. Where is your relationship with God at? Are there some idols that need to go? Is fear holding you back from trusting God with your security? And it's okay. It's okay if it is, because we're all human beings here, and there is nobody in this room who has not at one point or another asked God what in the world he's doing, right? We're not here to be perfect and we're not here to have a pretty faith that we just show off because that's not real. We want to talk about what's real. Question number two, how can you practice act actively trusting God with your security this week? We don't need to take huge steps. Remember that Jesus said that faith is tiny as a mustard seed, like teeny tiny dot of faith is enough. I believe in small steps and not trying to take like a giant leap from, I don't know if God can be trusted to, I'm just gonna do it all at one time. It's not very realistic. So I wanna encourage us tonight, guys, 
to lean into what Jesus is saying here. Don't worry. Your father knows what you need. Your father knows what you need. He is a good father, and he has good plans for us, even in the middle of the hard stuff. So uh, go ahead at your tables. Again tonight, guys, I just want to remind you that we don't share other people's stories outside of this room, that if you want to talk about something, you ask permission. Um, We want to honor each other in that. And um, just what Sarah said again earlier, we don't want to try and fix each other. We want to let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. So we can support, love, and pray for, but we're not going to try and fix. All right, guys. We're going to talk until about 8.30, and then I'll come up and close this.